1: Hi, welcome to the online marketing show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is a fantastic copywriter and one of the co-founders of AWAI. His name is Don Mahoney. Go to awaionline.com to find out more. Don, thank you very much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Don, how did you become a copywriter? Well,
0: it's... You know it was somewhat fortuitous in the early nineties. I actually had a cabinet business in New York State, which I enjoyed, but then we hit the recession of the early nineties, and it got work got really thin, and also i was I felt sort of chained to my shop. It was a small shop I didn't get big enough to get a lot of equipment and a lot of employees. So between the economy and beginning to grow tired of the work, um, I was looking for something else to do. And I had an old friend who had been in the publishing business and attempted to retire, and then he went back to work working with Agora, Agora Publishing in Baltimore. And he knew I was, I wanted to get out of my shop, and he said, well, I'll come to Baltimore and learn to be a copywriter. Now, for me, it was kind of lucky because they had no reason to hire me, Mm -hmm. except on his face, though, and he was in a position to do that. But I was able to go in, and I was part of a group of uh, in-house copywriters that they were training, Mm -hmm. and uh, I knew enough to recognize the opportunity. Some of the other people didn't really appreciate uh, the window of opportunity. The ones who did went on to become very successful copywriters. And the ones who didn't really wound up drifting away and never never making the significant money that could be made in copywriting.
1: So from there, I know that you're now involved with a very famous copywriting company called AWAI. What is AWAI done? Well,
0: AWAI stands for American Writers and Artists
1: Institute
0: and it's now a fairly significant company uh, when it was first conceived of. And, of course, the, the co-founder and I, Paul said both have different versions of who thought of it first. <laughs> I claim it was me. But we were working um, for Agora still and, and copywriting, and I said to him one day, you know, we should we should put together a course for how to do this. there um at that time there wasn't a lot of material Bob bl- Bob Bly had a book or two and an article that had been pretty famous mm. and I said but nobody really has a course you know and we've been trained in it so we could show other people how to do it and then a few months later um, it didn't go anywhere and then a few months later it came back up and we got serious about doing it and it started as an idea we started over 15 years ago. I think this year will be 16. I think it was 1997. And we didn't have offices. We used to meet in Delray Beach at a restaurant, which was quite nice. It was by the beach. And we just kept working at it. And once we had the course put together and started marketing it, we actually had um, we had one or two people very early on who had very rapid success. And that sort of convinced us that it could work. And Uh the company just grew. And, of course, at that time, it was mostly direct mail for direct marketing. And we had no idea what was going to happen with the Internet. It was, you know, it was nothing like it is today. So with that, the company was able to grow a
1: lot more. So what do you help copywriters uh, do once they learn? Do they get any sort of certificate or something to say that they've trained with you guys?
0: We have a couple of different courses that we offer now and people are actually using them. We have placed so many writers in, in, uh, in the marketing industry that um, we've become known uh, for what we do and people do use some of our uh, credentials on their websites and on their resumes and uh with some
1: success i know quite a few copywriters myself don so i know some very good copywriters who trained with you so i know a lot of top copywriters who hold awai in very high esteem indeed do you know roughly how many copywriters have trained with you guys since you started back 15 years ago
0: well it's, it's I really couldn't count. Um, Some have come and gone, and some have stayed with it. It's certainly in the hundreds, and it could be into uh, four figures. I was just at a a seminar in Austin in February that we do for web copywriting, and there were three or four people there. Um, I think there were two or three who had just gotten placed at different companies. A couple in Austin, which seems to be a, a hotbed now for direct marketing companies, an emerging hotbed. And one of the companies who was there presenting um, some of their marketing techniques, they announced they were still looking, they had hired two and were looking for two more. So, I mean, right in that one small group, there were five, um, there were a, a number of working copywriters who had trained with us, uh, probably 10 or 15. And but just in that group, there were five or so that had gotten their big break within the last uh, couple of months.
1: So what are the advantages of being a copywriter?
0: Well, there's the big ones, of course, are money, because uh, there are people without college degrees who make six figures. And, it, it, you know, it's very hard to do in this world. Yeah. And, even more important than that for a lot of people is lifestyle and freedom there's a great amount of self determination, even when people work in house um, most companies that are fairly sophisticated know that copywriters don 't perform by having them punch a clock and sit at the desk um, you know you once somebody has learned to do it, you have to you know, give them the material to work with and then give them a certain degree of latitude to do their work at the best times because it's a very production oriented task. You know, when you, when you really get into direct marketing, you get marketing results that are directly tied to your work. So once you start getting successful, you get more and more latitude about where and when you do the work. I have a company I'm working with now, actually it's several companies in one group, and I try to meet with them twice a week um, for a couple of hours, and they're really happy with that. You know, and around that I'm able to go where I want and do what I want, and if I can't make it one week, it's not a big deal,
1: so I can take off and travel. So overall, I'm guessing that life is uh, a bit better for you than when you were making cabinets (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah it's healthier uh, I'm not breathing uh, sawdust and lacquer fumes, mm-hmm. and uh the money is a lot better and uh the, the but really uh I think if you ask most people, let's say somebody's making fifty thousand dollars a year um a lot of people will tell you, and we know this because we've talked to so many people about this over the years that Freedom is even a bigger deal than the money. Uh, Being able to have some determination over your own life and some freedom to move and travel and just sort of be your own person and not be to have a boss sitting on you, which happens sometimes. But like I said, once you start being successful, you get a lot of leeway. So those are really big perks also besides the money. And there are, you know, there are million dollar copywriters. There are people who make a million dollars a year writing copy. I you know I have never been quite that ambitious. I've gotten close to halfway there. But uh you know I know people who are booked all the time who make close to a million
1: dollars a year. Brilliant. How long does it take for someone to train to be a copywriter? I know that's probably a difficult question to answer, but is there any average that you see that it takes
0: it reminds me of when I was a younger man in my 20s I studied martial arts and you know I wasn't uh, I you know I played soccer and basketball but you know for the average person it took um, you know three to five years to get really good however we had People who came in, there was one guy who came in who had been a professional hurdler, track runner, and he just, his progress one year later was amazing. You know, he was top ranked, and he even said one time, he said, some people get it quick and some people get it slow, but usually if you stay with it, you all wind up in the same place, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. We've seen people, as I said, back in our when we began, we had somebody who took our basic course and went through it diligently and decided that he wanted to work. He lived near a fairly big publishing company, so he he called them up and he got them to give him an interview and When he went in they for the interview, they were looking at some copies, so they said, "Well, take a look at this with us and see what you think so he looked at it. And he applied just some basic principles that we had. One of them is the four U's. And they said, you're a genius. You're a Because they just, you know, they didn't have such a, a specific way of looking at copy and analyzing it and knowing what it should have or shouldn't have. It was going more by gut feeling. So he was successful very quickly. And we've had a few of them over the years. Um, and then we've had a lot of people who just stuck with it um, and, you know, over time became very successful.
1: So they got there in the end, which is great news. I guess that means that anyone, if they put the effort in, they can do it.
0: Yeah, and right. there was actually one guy who everybody thought he would never make it. He just wasn't very good. He didn't seem to get it, but he refused to give up. And eventually he got it. He was just determined. He had to get out of the business that he was in. And we see that a lot with people. They know that their time is limited or they've been laid off or sacked. And he stuck with it. And then he became successful and he made a lot of money. He opened his own company and he still has it. And, you know, when we looked back on it, we said he would probably have been voted the least likely to succeed because Mm -hmm. it just, seemed like he didn't have what it took and in the
1: end he proved everybody wrong good for him don that's a a great story thank you for sharing if you've been training for a little while in copywriting how do you know when you're ready to go pro and charge people money how do you know when you're ready for that
0: well the easiest way is to work in-house somewhere and and clock some time a year or two working in-house with a direct marketing company and there's a lot of opportunities out there if you look for it. That's the easiest. You've got people working with you. You get feedback all the time. You can really gauge your your movement. Um, when you can't do that, it's much more nebulous. You, there is a tendency, and we see this a lot with people who, who try to learn Internet marketing and they get sold program after program after program. And then they they always think that there's one more thing they need to learn before they'll be ready. And the fact is that a lot of the learning is done by doing. So you have to just pick a make a commitment to a point where you've gone through the basics and you say, I'm going to do it And it really um it's really hard to say it's a lot of people will not feel like they're ready, but what they really need to do is just start doing it.
1: Okay, so going on more towards some tips about copywriting itself. I know a lot of copywriters struggle with writer's block. They just don't know what to write, how to get started. Do you have any tips for banishing writer's block?
0: Yeah, it's something that I've, I've over the years, I've taught quite a bit, and uh Writer's block isn't something that copywriters face. Musicians face it, uh, fiction writers, journalists, uh, copywriters. Anybody who tries to sit down and put ideas together is faced with the problem of uh, nothing coming to them. And sometimes you'll get handed what you need, and it's very easy. And other times you just get a task and you have to figure out how to accomplish it. And when you're sitting, in the old days we used to sit with pen and paper. Uh, nowadays people usually sit at a computer and stare at a, a screen or a, a page on a screen. The the real key there, I think, for anyone is not to get caught up in thinking that they have to start at the beginning and work their way through. because a lot of times the biggest ideas, which are usually the the first ideas, <clears throat> are the hardest to put together, and so there's a back door to that by just writing anything take the um take the simplest thing, even if it's notes, even if it's a descriptive part of what you're gonna do, just doing some plain uh Talking about what something is, if you're talking about direct marketing, you're always offering something for a price, you can write out the offer. The trick is to just start anywhere, and usually in that process, your mind will come back to the the bigger part, but I've had times when all I did was just keep writing little pieces until all of a sudden it, it came together.
1: What is the invisible structure that goes into every good piece of copy?
0: Well, there's there's really a number of ways you can structure something. And a lot of people have different theories or, or methods that they suggest or structures that they suggest. Um there's some essential parts that have to go in. The, the promise, you know, there has to be a big benefit to the reader and there has to be some credibility to the voice. But a great way to learn structure, depending on where, what field you're trying to work in, uh, you know, there are people who write technical stuff uh, for marketing, very technical products like software or uh pharmaceuticals and there's people who write for financial um, publications and there's people who write about alternative health and just everything you can imagine. So you'd really want to look at something that's going on in the field you want to work in and start buying some things and then they rent your name and you start getting all kinds of other things um, you know, sent to you. And then you can examine anything that you get and if you see it a few times, once you have your name and a few companies having made some modest purchase, um, you'll start to see things more than once. This is true in direct mail and it's true in internet marketing. And if you see it more than a couple of times, generally you can assume that it's working. You know, companies will test something, and if it doesn't work, they're not going to keep sending it out. Mm-hmm. So once you have an idea something is working, you can sit down with it, and um even if it's on the Internet, you can usually capture it and, uh, and get it transferred to a, a Word document or to a document where you can print it out and look at it. And then you can look at each part of it and say, what are they doing here? Okay, here, they're giving me an idea. This is going to do something for me. Or here's the problem, and here's a a quick solution that they're offering. And then they repeat it here. They repeat the problem. They repeat the solution. And then they go into examining it. And you can see, if you start analyzing it like that, you'll see where they bring in credibility factors to establish that whoever is writing it is, is his credibility as an authority in that field. You'll see where they're proving their points by research, uh, you know, an investment service is going to tell you about their track record. So section by section, if you just ask yourself, what are they doing here? And, and scribble notes on it. You will be able to, uh, to pick apart the structure and uh, and reproduce it.
1: Do you have a big swipe file done? Your favorite pieces of marketing copy that you like to analyze or study?
0: Well, I keep a swipe file. I know people who keep swipe files so big they can't even use them, which gets silly. Swipe to... <laughs> files are great for ideas. And there was one copywriter who was known as the copywriter who never had an original idea. And, Pretty much, he would just go through his swipe files. Now, he wouldn't take the words directly and use them, yeah. but he would use the ideas and transfer the, the tone or the structure to something that he was working on. And that's been done, if you look at all the famous ads, that's been done again and again. The most famous one is uh, They Laughed When I Sat Down at the Piano. Which was a, a classic, classic ad from many years ago, and it, it's been copied again and again and again, and you know, in, a, in one form or another. But it, you should build a swipe file. Uh Don't build too much. But what you're really going to look for, if you if you work on something, is what is working in that field. And if you're working with a company, they should really supply you with examples of what's working and why they think it's working and what they did that didn't work.
1: Should we attempt to use logic when we're trying to persuade the reader?
0: You know, that's probably the... In schools, we're taught what's called expository writing, where you present an idea and you present it logically and you attempt to persuade And one of the first things you learn when you get into copywriting is that that does not work. If it was that simple, there would be a million people um, writing copy, and it would be a very easy task. You would just explain why something is good, and people would buy it. But the fact is that people tend to make purchases based on some knowledge, but also based on emotion. They become convinced that there is something special about what they're buying, uh, what they're going to invest their time and money in. And generally, it takes an emotional connection to establish that and to get that response. And it isn't, so; it's not logic at all. It may appear that there's logic used, but some of the big, big companies even employ what they call fuzzy logic, where it sort of sounds logical, but if you were to carefully dissect it, it might not hold up. But generally, buying is based on emotion. I mean, logically, this is one of the first thing I learned. You have a pair of tennis sneakers you want to sell. You see two people. One has no no sneakers, no shoes. And the other is wearing sneakers. Who is likely to buy the the tennis shoes that you want to sell? Well, the guy who doesn't have them isn't prone to buying them. And the person who has them is by far the more likely to buy it because they apparently like tennis shoes. They probably have more than one pair and they might consider buying another one. So it isn't really a lot. Logically, you would think that the guy who had nothing on his feet would be the one to buy something. but It it really isn't the case.
1: Yeah, good point. The next question I had, Don, was something that I read on the AWAI site, and it really captured my interest. Um, Basically, you mentioned something called The Secret of the Four-Legged Stool. So I was wondering if you could tell us about that, please.
0: Yeah. Um, There's actually a couple of versions. Around about it, one i've even seen articles printed that attributed to Bill Bonner or agora, and he developed it. but the fact is that it was Mark Ford who writes under the name Michael Masterson, who was the one who actually put the ideas together and put it into a um, into a presentable form and um the the parts of it it, and people will change these slightly, but basically the idea is that a stool that sits on the, when they were when he examined a lot of successful promotions and ones that weren't successful, he found that the best ones really had four supporting things, and so he began. He made the. Um, the analogy of a a stool. A stool on three legs is nowhere near as stable as a stool on four legs. Mm -hmm. And he had identified four parts to a successful promotion. And in some way or another, these are generally present in anything. And according to him and what he says, and I would agree with this, one part is an emotionally compelling idea. Something that puts the the argument together and expresses the product's unique selling proposition. What makes it different from everything else? Then there's a promise of an irresistible benefit or benefits. Uh, sometimes there's one big thing, um, and a, an alternative health product may have one big idea. An investment service may have one big idea. There's something that's going to happen politically, you know, or with oil that's going to change everything. And then there's a company like Boardroom that tends to publish a lot of little ideas. So it can be one big benefit or a lot of smaller benefits. But it's, it's, it's it's conveying how the product is going to help you. Bill Bonner used to say and this this was something, what is it that keeps your prospect up at night? And I run across this all the time. I'm I'm involved with a lot of alternative health publishing for information and for products. And people tend to think that and these are people who've been in the business a long time, they'll think of a product and think this is really good, you know, people will like this. But they're not really thinking about, Bill Bonner used to say, what keeps your prospect up at night? You know, are they, well, he put it in terms of a newsletter. Um, You know, are they lying awake at night thinking, I need another newsletter? Or are they lying awake at night because they're anxious about their finances? So you're not going to sell them a newsletter. You're going to sell them ideas. That, you know, that, that could be very useful to them. Another leg is some type of proof. Whenever you make, um, Mark used to say, whenever you make a claim that this will do this or that will do this, you need to support that with some evidence that what you say is true. And then the other part is credibility, which I think I mentioned before that Uh, for the product, the voice behind it, the company that's selling it, you can't present ideas to somebody that appear to just come out of thin air and have no credibility to them. Somehow you have to, and you see it in alternative health. They'll quote Harvard studies, um, and things like that. Uh, doctors will be presenting the information. In any field, you sort of have to establish that. And even in technical writing, you can do that simply by the quality of your writing and the way you explain things. People will see it and go, well, this person knows what they're talking about. But in some way or another, you have to establish credibility for the writer.
1: The third leg that you mentioned there, which was proof, do you have any specific ways that we can provide the reader with overwhelming evidence or proof that supports our claims?
0: Well, I've actually been... People have said that one of the the features of my writing is um, a preponderance of evidence. I tend to present the argument again and again and again. (laughs) this this shows that it will work, this shows that it will work, this shows that it will work. And the best way to do that, really, is research, research, research. Now, any project that you work in, the company should give you materials, but they don't always. uh, Companies have been known to just say, this is what we want, go do it. Whether you have them or not, you should be prepared to do your own research. And this is true for fiction writers, too. The best fiction writers provide a lot of detail about things that they really have to do research on, which makes their story real. And it's sort of the same in copywriting. Um, Every nugget of information that you can present on something that you're writing about, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whatever it is, technical, every nugget of information that you can present is a form of proving that you know what you're talking about and that this this will work
1: brilliant don i'd like to thank you very much for doing this interview with me today where can we go to get more information or learn more about you or find out more about A W A I and the courses that they have
0: well A W A I you can certainly find online and after 16 years um there have been a ton of people who have contributed to the, the body of material that we have now, people like Bill Bonner and Bob Bly. Um, most of the biggest copywriters, have, or many of them, have worked with us at different times now. Mm-hmm. So there's really a huge body of knowledge, um, not just, much more than I could convey to anyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you can really very specialized knowledge there also. For me I don't really have time to just answer questions for people, but I'm on LinkedIn and uh you know, which is how you got in touch with me. Yep. And, you know, if it if it isn't just uh, a question, you know, that requires a lot of time to answer, um, you know, I'm glad to, to answer anything that I can within reason. So people can find me on LinkedIn, and they can certainly find all this information on the AWI, AWAI website, which is AWAI online. Pretty much as soon as you Google AWAI,
1: it will come up. Great. That's the end of today's show. Thank you, everyone, who tuned in. And, Don, a huge thanks to you for coming on the show.
0: Oh, My pleasure. The Online Marketing Show.